0: Welcome to the Edinburgh APA Marketing Network podcast. I'm Dr. Kat Razai, and I'm Dr. Jackie Headland. Today we are speaking to one of the UK's advertising industry legends Neil Christie. Neil, who recently stepped down as Whedon and Kennedy London CEO, shares his insights with us on how marketing has evolved and what it takes to survive and thrive in this exciting and challenging global ad industry.
1: Perhaps you could just share with us a summary of your philosophy on marketing.
2: Wow, uh, a ph- I, don't, I don't know if I actually have a philosophy. I mean, I, certainly I wouldn't dignify it with a term like a philosophy, of marketing. I think I have some experience of what works and what what tends to work and what doesn't work and how to try and identify what's likely to be successful.
1: So is it gut instinct or did you learn what works and what doesn't work?
2: Well, I think it's a, a combination of experience, understanding of media and platforms and understanding of people's behaviour. And then I think in terms of how that's creatively applied, yeah, there's a there's a degree of creative intuition that comes to evaluating things because you can never really know how something is going to work in theory until you apply it in the real world.
1: How did you actually be- become good at knowing what works, what doesn't work, or actually being brave enough to take those chances?
2: It's partly just experience, learning on the job, and also partly keeping up with what's being written by practitioners and academicians, you know, analysts who are looking at at marketing and communications and and keeping abreast of the latest thinking and what people are learning and what the the evidence base says about how things uh, can influence people.
1: So you actually apply quite a lot of data and analysis to all your decision making. It's not just I feel like this could work. You actually spend a lot of time analysing the details.
2: I think it's a it's a bit of both. You can't you can't I don't think you can predict the future using data, but you can understand how things have worked in the past, but there is, there is no, as far as I'm aware, although, although you'll find some people who will claim that they have methodologies that will predict how things will work in the future, I, I would be very skeptical of any research company or any, any proprietary system or process which aims to be able to predict the effectiveness of advertising communications. You know, any, any more than anyone can predict. Which film is going to be a hit, or uh, or or which product is going to is going to be successful in the real world? You don't really know. The- theory can't predict what's going to happen in in the real world.
1: How have you managed your clients' expectations? Because one of the really difficult things about advertising is actually measuring its success. How have you dealt with that in your career?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's very hard, uh, and and it very it's very complicated. And if a client uh, well, clients have often asked me, "Can can we guarantee that something is going to work?" The answer is no, we can't, and there is there is no methodology that that can do that. We can learn from what's worked in the past, and we can we can make judgments based on that. Sometimes you you have to operate based on what you you feel is going to be successful, and and that can be more of a that can be more of a gut feel than something that you can base on data and evidence.
1: Can you give us an example of a campaign where you've applied these aspects of your thinking?
2: Yes. Uh, <laughs> I remember, uh, this is a while ago now, but I specifically remember we were doing a campaign for 3 Mobile, the network. And we had come up with this idea which involved a dancing Shetland pony. Um, so the. The way that we had chosen to position three was as the best network for mobile data, uh, and that seemed, you know, based on the information we had, that was appealing to the, the kind of people that we wanted to reach. It was uh, it it wasn't occupied by anybody else, and it was something that uh, we felt was uh, appropriate for three. So, so how how do you represent? yeah, how do you represent that? How do you communicate that idea? Uh, and we said, well, the thing that most people are using the data for is watching daft videos on YouTube and, and just finding fun things on the internet. It's not, it's not something functional or useful or rational. It's silly stuff. And rather than just reflect that and say, well, we can show the sort of, uh, we can show examples of the kind of silly stuff that people look at on their phones. We said, well, let's create something which is inherently silly and viral and becomes hugely popular and gets shared amongst people. So there there was no way we could predict exactly unless unless we had used some famous celebrity, which we couldn't afford to do. There was no way we could predict exactly what that was going to be. So we came up with an idea of using a, a moonwalking Shetland pony. Uh, And the client I remember the client phoned me up It was actually in the middle of the night because I was abroad and said to me can you guarantee that If we make this ad, a moonwalking Shetland Pony is going to be successful and I said no I can't but I believe that it will be successful and again you couldn't we couldn't test it in advance because we had to we had to make the thing and have the Shetland Pony actually look like it was moonwalking because if you just said to somebody do you think a moonwalking Shetland pony would would be brilliant they'd say well I don't know show me so again I mean so that's an example of until you put this thing out in the real world and people respond to it and start sharing it around and and interacting with it and talking about it uh, you you just you you have a feeling that you think it's going to work but you don't know until you do it
0: Thank you very much. It's very insightful. I remember sharing that uh, many years ago and I adored it so much. Um, See, it worked. <laughs> it did, yes. I was, a t- I think, how many years ago was that? I think I was a teenager when that came out. Oh, it was
2: probably, um, it's, it's at least 10 years ago, yeah.
0: Yeah, just about teenager, yeah. So yeah, I remember everyone shared that I and mean, we were all about 18 sharing that image. So yeah, brilliant. I guess what I'm quite interested in is about the provocation aspect and you've just touched a bit on that about the, the way consumer attitudes are these days, necessity to watch silly stuff for things to share, uh, do you think that is the most common consumer desire and attitude at the moment to attract them or the, the most common tactic to attract them or are there other common methods to use to as well as just viral clips? To oh,
2: there there are lots of different um, there are lots of different ways and different uh, different ways in. I think what you have to remember is nobody well almost nobody is interested in advertising. Nobody cares about your commercial message. Nobody wants to see it. Nobody's going to pass it on to their friends. You know, people have got busy lives and <laughs> looking at your advert is a long long you know. What, and whatever kind of advert is you know any kind of sales message or. Uh, you know a a kind of piece of commercial communication of any kind people have got busy lives the the media environments incredibly cluttered I'm I don't I don't want your spam getting in the way of the stuff that I'm interested in so I'm if I can block it or um, delete it or avoid it or minimize it or get past it in some way I will do it and if I can't then you're probably just going to irritate me because I have to Wait until i'm just what I'm going to do is I'm just going to watch the little clock in the corner until it expires so I can immediately click on it and get past it so so the first thing is you you need to remember that nobody's interested, so you've got to engage them and entertain them and involve them somehow. The way that you do that is you know with an understanding of the people you're trying to you're trying to talk to and that might be something silly it might be something shocking it might be something Uh, provocative it might be something entertaining it might you know it might be something funny it's probably not until you get to the stage where they've already expressed an an interest it's probably not uh, a rational explanation of the superior qualities of whatever it is you're trying to interest them in you know there's there's any number of different ways in but you need to remember that if you're interrupting what people are trying to do then you've got to you've got to reward them in some way for their attention
1: Neil, all this talk of ads going viral, great for the creative team. But do these ads actually sell the product?
2: Well, some do and some don't. <laughs> I mean, the jo- the, you know, the first job of any kind of communication is to in some way hold people's attention and then to communicate some kind of a message and often that communication is at a at a sub rational level, you know, so people find it difficult to express or decode exactly how a piece of communication is working. Any more than you said to them, well, how how does a piece of music work? You know, what you, you can hear the music, but even if you're listening not listening to it, you can hear it. You can understand something, it can make you feel a certain way. And communications work at different levels in that in that same way. The so. Which is one of the reasons why it's very hard to quantify how things are working, because people don't necessarily they don't they don't find it easy to to tell you how they feel about something. They don't necessarily know how they feel about something, and and they don't necessarily know how the way that they feel about something has made them behave. So there, are, you know, these things are all complex and hard to decode. So when you say Uh, does a viral ad work? Well, the first thing is that people need to remember it and then hopefully they need to understand something from it. And then hopefully they need to feel or do something as a result. And, you know, those kind of stages are going to be very different depending on the person and the piece of communication.
0: Very interesting stuff. I was just thinking there about being provocative, but also potential backlashes. Have you ever had a backlash against any of the content that you've created? And if so, what strategies did you have in place, contingencies, if it will, to to counteract the problem?
2: Yes. So, for example, if I think about the Christmas campaign we did for Sainsbury's for 20 i'm losing track of time now i can't remember whether it was 2020 christmas 2020 or christmas 2019 we made it was obviously christmas campaign lots of different executions but one of the main television executions was featured a black family having christmas and there was we were actually surprised at the amount of negative reaction to that that there was from racists who found it um didn't like the idea that a black family were celebrating Christmas on British TV and that Sainsbury's um, were celebrating it. We hadn't anticipated that, I'll be honest, we, we hadn't anticipated that negative reaction. Sainsbury's were um, not at all phased by it and said, we're not going to change our strategy in any way as a result of this. Some some people said, I'm going to stop shopping at Sainsbury's as a result of this. Sainsbury said, well, that's your decision. Um, it's not going to influence the way that we uh, talk to our customers. One of the interesting things that happened was there was a kind of a show of solidarity and support from from Sainsbury's competitors, from other retailers. That was very encouraging to see that the competition was going kind to of put aside and their rivals like Tesco um, stated their support for Sainsbury's position. On the other hand, there was there was there, there's always two sides to that because it made some people feel more positively about Sainsbury's.
1: we've got lots of students who are really excited about entering the world of marketing and advertising. What would you tell your younger self?
2: (laughs) God, what would I tell my younger self? I think I would probably say to not take it all too seriously and to, to experiment more and to try more different things. You know, I think back on how I was, I was, I was quite, you know, career driven and ambitious about things. And that led me, Maybe not to try a more, you know, a wider variety of things. Like I wish I'd spent more time working abroad. I wish I had worked across more different sectors. It might have been interesting to work in on on the client side, on the advertiser side. I think probably I would have looked into the the academic and theoretical side of the work earlier. I mean, I I had no formal qualification in marketing at all, um, so it was all kind of just learned in uh, on the job. I, pro- I think I probably would have told myself to try and have have fun more. I mean, I did have I did have quite a lot of fun, <laughs> but but uh, I worked quite hard as well. Maybe I worked harder than I needed to.
1: It's good to hear that you had some fun because advertising is notoriously cutthroat. Did you not experience it as a tough industry?
2: It was tough at times. You know, that's that's a hard question. Yes, it is. It's a it's a very competitive business. It can be cutthroat, but I also had a lot of fun um it's definitely a an environment where there are lots of interesting unusual uh you know misfit creative interesting people uh, that you you don't find in other businesses and that's it's the people that really make it fun and the challenges the other thing that's brilliant about it i found was in the job that i was doing you see such a varied set of business challenges you know you you can be working on retail in the morning and sports in the afternoon and then toys the following day and then you know, health issues the day after that. So that, that kind of variety makes it really fascinating in terms of the different challenges it throws up.
0: So how important is teamwork in the development and creation of content, marketing, advertising, etc., and campaigns?
2: Teamwork is pretty much essential. It's very difficult in most circumstances to get anything done other than as part of a team you're working as a team always with the client you know because the the client is the the person who is initiating the the project and paying for it and responsible for it but you're also part of a team of people who are delivering whatever whatever it is that you're producing for the client and that team will involve usually people within the agency uh, across different departments and across other suppliers like production companies, media companies, media buying and placement companies, media platforms. So yeah, there's 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 usually a a kind of a network of different people and different and and various teams that you need to kind of um, relate to and work with. And and obviously, you know, the best results that you get are by c- collaborating productively with all these different people. If you're a loner, it's not really the ideal business. You know, there are aspects of it that involve individual research or individually trying to write a proposal for something or individually trying to come up with an idea for something. But I would say in almost any field in the business, you need to collaborate with others and be part of a team.
1: (laughs) And you're also a student, of course, as well now
2: yeah uh so it's been uh i'm in week one studying english literature at king's college london and it's it's already very different and kind of stretching my mind in new directions which is exactly what i hoped it would do
0: do you find that there's some transferable skills from your advertising background that's quite useful or i know it's only week one but can you foresee any transferable skills that would be useful when you're for example analyzing literature or creating literature of your own if that, if that, i assume that's what the programs about
2: yes and in, and in fact already in week 1 we were looking at structuralism and how roland bart decodes signs in culture and advertising came up as one of the examples in connection to that so so that's a very specific one in the broadest sense communications is about producing texts and and cultural objects which are designed to communicate meaning and you're trying to make people f- feel Differently, so which is which is the same thing that literature is trying to do. Really, you're you're trying to evoke feelings. You're trying to make provoke people into thinking differently. So I think some of the the techniques that you develop for thinking about how a piece of communications may work are equally applicable to to literature or to advertising. At least that's what I think. I'm only in week one, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes.
0: It, I smiled when you mentioned Barters because uh, we actually apply semiotics analysis in some of our marketing modules to get them to sort of decode an advert and understand what they might have been thinking when they were building the advert and, uh, and other content. So that made me smile when you said that. It just shows how extricably linked marketing is. It's you know such a ubiquitous uh, subject in society and how it touches so many places and. So, what are you thinking of doing from English literature? Are you thinking of writing a book?
2: Well, yeah. If the if the alternative career as a pop star doesn't work out, <laughs> <laughs> now I honestly I don't know. I just I I wanted to, I just wanted to try something different, and I wanted to, like I say, I wanted to, I guess, force myself to think in different ways about stuff. I've always been interested in literature, and I've always been a big reader. This was an opportunity just to take a detour off the. Uh, career highway onto something different and see where it takes me.
1: Thank you for your time I'd Leo. love to know about your band though before we go. Yeah.
2: The idea is nice but um, at the moment it's just a hobby but you can sh- you can check us out at emperorpenguin.bandcamp.com
1: You've been listening to Neil Christie one of London's top ad executives here on the Edinburgh Napier Marketing Network I'm Dr Jackie Hadland and I'm Dr Kat Razai.
0: thank you very much for joining us